Today with us, we have Rob Kerker. Rob, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? My name is uh, Rob Kerr. I'm a consultant working primarily in mobile platforms, a lot of native development, um, but uh, more and more is cross-platform with uh, Xamarin, Flutter, and, and some other tools. Um, and I work with uh, primarily business customers who are looking to deliver applications to both iOS and Android with the most efficient development process that they can experience. Awesome. Really glad to have you on, Rob. I've known you for three, four years now, it seems like. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And we've met either at meetups or touch base every so often. So it sounds like recently you've been doing a lot of cross-platform development. And like I said, I have a little bit of experience with that. I've dabbled a little bit in Cordova as well. My bread and butter, my expertise is obviously Swift, native Swift development. That's what I like to do. I think it has a lot of advantages. But there could be situations like business reasons, valid business reasons to go cross-platform, right? Yeah, I think so. And and I think you and I have similar backgrounds and instances as far as Apple. I've done a ton of native development in Swift and iOS and, and some on Android as well. Probably over the last you know year or two, a lot of my work has been cross-platform and it's it's kind of driven by that business need or want to, you know, hit both platforms efficiently. And currently in the iOS app store has, you know, about one point eight million apps and the Play Store has about 2.1 million, but the stats tell us that I think App Figures had a study that only 450,000 apps are truly cross-platform, where the same application is deployed in both platforms, which is, you know, it's a really small number. It's less than 10%. And so when, what you find is, you know, everyone would kind of like to be on both platforms at the same time, but not a lot of folks are, or at least not uh, not in an efficient way. So in the past, you mentioned Cordova and, and PhoneGap, and probably five or six years ago, that was almost the only game in town. And but now these cross-platform frameworks are, you know, sprouting up quite a bit, and all of the mega vendors offer something like Flutter or uh, React Native or Xamarin from Microsoft. And um, so it's you know, it's 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 definitely coming into its own. And there's certainly those uh, those applications, uh, like business applications, especially where. You, know, you need to have both platforms, but maybe you don't want to fund building the app twice, you know, once for each. So, yeah, I think so. What are some situations where businesses should choose cross-platform as opposed to native? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's, uh, you know, it comes up a lot because the sort of the reasons not to usually drive into accessing very exotic APIs and things like that. In my mind, if a uh, a business really wants to deliver on both platforms, especially if they like to do it at the same time. That kind of tends toward cross-platform if you can, particularly if the, the user experience, they want it to be the same on both platforms, then using something cross-platform maybe doesn't mandate it, but certainly makes it much more likely that an application is going to work the same way so that when the support call comes in, you know, somebody who needs to help a user doesn't have to think about, you know, well, how does this work on Android? How does it work on iOS? How does it potentially work on Windows? And then the obvious, you know, elephant in the room is just budget. If, um, you know, if, if you have to build the same application twice, that costs, you know, potentially twice as much typically. Usually there are different teams that work on iOS and Android if they're done completely native. And then, you, you know, you really have to think about in the long term, how does that go into support costs? So if the 
application has to have a life cycle. Um, new features will be added. Bugs need to be fixed. If if they're written in two different languages on two platforms, then that's something to think about. So as I think about it on, on the consumer market, if you are going to develop an application to compete with one of Apple's native apps or Android, and it needs to be really exotic, um, you know, cross-platform might not be the right choice for that. But for the vast majority of apps are uh, content consumption or business orientated and so on. It's uh, probably the majority of the the leading cross-platform tools can deliver an app with the same user experience. So something to think about. It's funny you mentioned user experience. I would say that can be a benefit of cross-platform, but also a hindrance in a lot of ways. Because like recently I uh, was doing work with a client and they were really good about making sure that the user experience was actually different on both platforms precisely mm-hmm. because of the expectations that certain like Android users have with their UI and Apple users have with their UI. There's some, there are definitely big differences. Uh, specifically, I'm just like thinking about like hamburger menus. Like we don't have hamburger menus very much on iOS. Right. And that's, that's one of the jarring things is when you use a cross-platform app is how it can be really jar. Like it can be obvious and jarring when you're using an app that is built cross-platform, but doesn't like take into account like the user experience differences between both platforms. Yeah, there's a little bit to unpack there because as I've worked with clients that, you know, definitely wanted pixel perfect, identical experiences in both platforms. Now, you might argue that you shouldn't do that, right? And Google and Apple would tell you you shouldn't do that because you're not following their conventions. And and that's a very valid argument. But the cross-platform tooling doesn't really dictate that you have to have that same experience on both platforms. Right. I think it really depends. It really depends on which cross-platform tool you're using. It does, but even on, on most of them, I mean, you can implement something conditionally. So you say that, you know, this is the view used on Android, that's the view used on iOS, for example. If that's what you want, I don't think cross-platform prevents that. But conversely, if if you really want a very identical experience, cross-platform probably enables it better than forcing a common UI paradigm into the two different native tools. But your your central point about you know not deviating from the design aesthetic of iOS and how it works, you know whether you want to use a tab view controller versus a hamburger menu, is a very valid point and and an important design issue to think about. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm just kind of curious, going a little bit more into that. What is the reasoning behind having a consistent experience? Consistent UX, yeah. Because like your UX, your typical UX person would be like, no, 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 you definitely should not have, like, it should not act exactly the same way on every platform. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that usually like an executive decision that's done despite how it's not the right decision? Or is it a business decision typically to do that? Like, I'm just kind of curious about that. Yeah, because I, mean, I think what you just said is you you think designers would not want that. I've actually worked with designers that exactly wanted that. So I think it depends on the thought leadership behind the app. The most compelling, I think, business reason that I've heard is is kind of from a support perspective that that an app is going out and, and, and a support department needs to support it. And when a user wants to know, well, how do I go into the settings menu? 
if it isn't the same, then they need to know how to support it in both directions. So I think there's some degree of validity to that concern, but I, I don't think it should override, you know, the overall user adoption and user satisfaction with the app. So even many iOS apps use hamburger menus, even though that's really not an iOS thing. I, I um, don't like mo- it on you know, iOS. Ugh. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you don't, you know, but a lot of apps do use it. And, you know, many Android apps will, you know, use tab bar instead completely and not even have that uh, flyover menu. So I think, though, the kind of the point is that that you can do it differently or not do it differently. I don't think the cross-platform tools necessarily corner you to have to use a lowest common denominator, but if that's in your intent, it's it's probably a more, more efficient way to do it. Yeah, I could see how that might... I'm okay if the decision is, yeah, it's not a great user experience. We're willing to admit that and for budgetary reasons. We we just want to like have a consistent experience. I totally get that. I, like That makes total sense. But if it's like actually like, no, 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 we're going to make iOS users have this uncomfortable experience because we think it's better. It's like... Uh, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I would hope someone wouldn't want to like do it in order to give them an uncomfortable experience. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean like purposely, but just like they actually think that they know the best way to design on an iPhone better than Apple does. That's like, or or vice versa, right? Like that would be an uncomfortable conversation to have. Yeah. Well, and when we're talking budget. And I've talked to people about this specific subject. There was a great talk last year I went to in New York given by uh, one of the guys at, I can't think of his name now, uh, Artsy. And uh, he talked about transitioning to React Native and how their team transitioned to React Native. And it sounds like Mm -hmm. that decision was more based on the fact that they already have an existing experience with React Right, And so it seems like when we talk budget, typically we're talking about what, and we talked about this in a previous episode on backend development, like what your team is already comfortable with is going to be like the healthiest way rather than trying to like necessarily shove Swift or Objective-C and Xcode down their throats. Mm-hmm. If they're not willing to make that sacrifice in training and hiring, like it totally makes sense to like just already use what's already existing in your team. In those mm-hmm. cases, uh, it's a sacrifice, obviously, because you're not going to get as good of an experience, perhaps, um, that specialized in different platforms. But in the end, like, it might be a way to, like, save some money is just, hey, if this team has great cohesion doing React and React Native. Let's just stick with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can't ignore that kind of what resources do you already have, what things do you, do you already know how to support. If you're building a mobile application to complement a suite of enterprise you know, other applications and that other team can eventually support the mobile app too because you use similar technology they already know. I mean, that that's certainly a benefit. And I think there's, you know, that is an important factor to consider. So, you know, you and I touched on Xamarin earlier. Xamarin is C-sharp. It's SAML if you use Xamarin Forms. You know, it uses Visual Studio. You know, if you already have 50 people in your company that use all that kind of thing every day, then, yeah, that might make a lot of sense versus building a, a very small team that, you know, is specializing in Swift or Objective-C or Java that, you know, if, if you lose one of those folks, then you're in a lot of pain because you have to replace them. And I think you if you look across, like, what cross-platform tools different people advocate, it's very often the, the technology they already know. 
So, you know, web oriented folks will typically advocate, you know, kind of a phone gap or, you know, React or Ionic because, you know, they, they're familiar with those, those tools already. The Microsoft uh, uh, shops are probably going to be very interested in, in Xamarin because yep. it's very C-sharp orientated. Um, Flutter is really gaining a lot of traction from Google, um, and it, it runs with Dart um, underneath, which, um, which, which doesn't really have an install base. Um, you know, so we'll see where that goes. But, but on some of those other ones, you know, absolutely, if um, you, you have folks that already have those 80% of the skills they need to build the app, it might make a lot of sense. What are some of the differences between the different cross-platform solutions? Because I know some are kind of like basically mm-hmm. like your Cordova is essentially taking a bunch of HTML and JavaScript and CSS right. and building it into an app within a container. Some like React Native and Xamarin might just take whatever language you prefer and essentially like rebuild it into a actual binary and may include like some sort of library mm-hmm. for, so that it could run. What are the main differences between these different cross-platform solutions? I think it's an important question because very often most people think about cross-platform or hear about them and think that all these tools are really the same or, you know, exact peers. And they're really not. And I, I really think it falls into three segments roughly. And there's some blending between the segments a little bit, but but I think this is a, a good way to think about it is, is, you know, the first is, you know, web technology driven tools you know, that are primarily using HTML, JavaScript. And as you said, they're running almost as a local website within a web view or some container. Um, you know, Cordova is and PhoneGap are, you know, they're the first that did this. And, they, you know, they definitely fall in this camp. Ionic falls in this camp pretty much. It, it can bridge a little bit to native, but mainly it's running as a web app, as a, a single page web app within a container. And, you know, these I see, you know, mainly appealing to web development skill folks that, you know, they, they're really good at web. They want to get mobile as fast as they can. So this can make a lot of sense. And I think it does make a lot of sense for many kinds of apps, um, especially if they're consumption focused, like a mobile news reader or a magazine website, um, you know, can be a really good fit. You know, the, the second segment I think of is like tools that have some common language for the UI and, and then have some way to bridge to native SDKs. And that's and kind of the, the thread here is, you know, how close to native SDKs are you? How abstracted are you into you know, more of a web environment. And then, you know, the second one is really, you know, you got a common language and there's some bridge. And React Native probably falls into this category because it's using React for the UI, but you can access native SDKs through bridges and so on. Um, maybe not as efficient as being fully native, but at least you can you can get there most of the time. Uh, Flutter probably is a little bit in this camp as well. It's, you know, it's, it's a completely abstracted environment, but you can get to native when you really need to. I think these tools are maybe a little more complex to use because you're you're sort of have one foot in both camps and you know debugging can be a challenge and so on. But um, but it's kind of might be a best of both worlds depending on your perspective. And then the, the third is I can think of you know there's a few tools that fit in there. Xamarin is probably one, and that's that's where you're using the common language, but actually programming directly to underlying APIs. So in Xamarin, you use C sharp to call the same methods and APIs that you would in Swift or Objective-C, and it generates native iOS code at the other end. And, um, you know, there's some complexity there and so on. But I think those three kind of segments are the ones to think about, you know, web-driven, bridged, and just native with other languages kind of tools. 
and that's 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 where I think they fit. There's some bleed over, obviously, and some people say, well, this one's a little bit more in the first, second, and second. That could be true, but from a skills and adoption point of view, I think that's a good model. And where does Flutter fit into that? Is that just basically Dart for calling native APIs? Well, Flutter is is unique because, like with Xamarin, or you know, I think even to some extent React Native, it's you're rendering like in Xamarin, you're rendering a native like UI button in iOS, and on Android, it's you know it's rendering a, a, a native Android button. You're just using C Sharp in that case to do that. Flutter is different because it actually is everything you see is drawn by Flutter on a Skia canvas. So that's kind of cool because you know exactly what you're going to get on both platforms. It's it's very fast, and and I think it'll go 60 frames a second or something like that. Um, so it's a kind of like Cordova in a way, but better. But it also does have access to uh, some native SDKs as well. Not all of them, and that team is working on the bridging. But it's it's uh, it fits some somewhere in the middle. I think uh, I, I put it sort of in the center camp of of something that's a common common language and bridging to native to an extent. Cool. So the difference between like React Native and Xamarin is that like React Native has its own set of APIs. Whereas Xamarin is just using like you still have UI view controller, for instance, but it's in C sharp, correct? Yeah, I think that's the right way to think about it. Zam- uh, React UI is kind of using a an, an, an abstract paradigm, React, and then it has a bridge to native. Gotcha. So so you can get there. Whereas, you know, Z- Xamarin is really like totally native unless you're using Xamarin Forms, but if you're using Xamarin iOS and Xamarin Android, you're just using a different language to access the underlying operating system APIs. And then Xamarin's, you know, the, the reason you would want, from their perspective, the reason you would want to do that is because all that common code like web access and, you know, business logic and all that is completely shared. It's all in C Sharp and there's just no deviation between platforms. At least that's the concept. Right. That makes total sense. What out of those three types or out of the platforms that you've seen, what do you prefer? It's a really good question. So uh, definitely, I tend to gravitate a little bit toward, you know, what's a really good fit for the organization? What's going to be good for long-term TCO and support? I do work with a lot of, you know, business customers. Uh, I think Xamarin's a really good fit there. I actually like working with Xamarin because it works directly with with the underlying operating system. So if I have algorithms in Swift that access HealthKit and can do all the things that HealthKit does, um, I can pretty much port those directly to Xamarin without any changes. And it has source-level debugging at every level, which is kind of nice. So, so I like that platform. It's not that commonly used, I guess, in you know outside of the business realm. And then outside of that realm, you know, I, I do like Flutter. Um, I like what Flutter is doing right now and uh, the support it has behind it. So I'm hopeful that that will continue to grow and get better. And React Native is, you know, fairly, fairly common out there and fairly used. And there's there's a lot of folks available to um, to work on that that technology. I think it's pretty compelling. I haven't done much work with um, with React Native, but the you know associates that have used it and love it, you know, have kind of told me that that's that's a pretty good solution. Uh, probably the ones I avoid a little bit are more the web driven ones, so the PhoneGap and Ionic. You know, I think they're very, they're very good, um, and they can have a place. But uh, at least the projects I've worked on dig more into the weeds with you know using HealthKit, using Apple Pay, and so on and so on. And and I think the further you get away from the ability to get to native APIs, the less of a good strategic decision that that technology is probably going to be. 
Yeah. And then the other one I'm thinking of is native script, which that's JavaScript yeah. based as well. Um, and that's done by the guys at progress, I believe. So yeah, it is. Yeah. It's uh yeah. Native script is, I mean, it is really interesting. It's, um, it's even more native than React Native, I guess. Right. But um, you know, the, probably its biggest um, challenge is that the amount of folks out there that y- the ecosystem. I mean, it's just really not there. Um, most people probably never heard of it. But uh, and and there's so many competitors that I, I think they're they're going to have tra- a challenge getting traction. But uh, technically, very compelling. I think I hear a lot of Ionic. And usually if it's a fairly simple app, you don't have to deal with all the native APIs in that case. I know that mm-hmm. there's some bridges, yeah. but not, it's not anywhere near as comfortable as working with the other ones. It's, yeah, Ionica, I actually worked on a, a, a project for a client uh, two or three years ago. And, and we did some, you know, we were able to get to a lot of native things. You, you combine, you know, at the time, Swift had, Swift is either really new. So um, we needed to print some things on uh, Zebra printers, which had to be done with native Objective-C. And we were able to glue it together. The debugging, again, was a challenge because, you know, you, you can't necessarily debug that library that or that framework that you're linking in very easily. So that was a challenge. But Ionica, I think we, what we had trouble most with was kind of controlling the UI a little bit because it's so web-based. And um, and then just generally, it's a completely open-source volunteer ecosystem. Well, the other thing about Ionic is you're locked into Angular. Whereas if you use something like, and that, I think, you know, PhoneGap and Ionic, I think they're the same thing, essentially. But if you, like, break it down to, like, Cordova, so the, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, Cordova is the underlying Uh, Apache open source project that will convert web applications to mobile apps, right? And then Ionic is kind of built on top of that and then also brings in AngularJS. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, I don't necessarily see that as a downside as as much as the reason that you're doing it. Right, exactly. Yeah. So if you already have an Angular team, then it makes total sense to, to go with Ionic. You can go a step lower than that and use Cordova if, for instance, you're a Vue team, a Vue.js team, um, that might make more sense as well. Yeah, I mean, Cordova is basically running a web app in, you know, in a web view with some, you know, a specific JS and, you know, CSS files. So right. it's it's pretty plain Jane. But all the platforms, I think, kind of fall in that category is if, if you're, you know, uh, Ionic, you know, is uh, you know has it has this particular framework. You know, if you like React, you probably like React Native. If you like .NET, you probably like Xamarin. Um, you know, and so on. So it's it's and and that's where these projects came from. It's you know groups that specialized in those platforms came up with a mobile solution. So it's it's I think part of part of the package. And then I hear a lot of React Native. That's typically the biggest one I hear. And then Flutter is kind of the one that's gained a lot of momentum in the last right. few months. And then here in Michigan, we have a lot of C-sharp and Java developers. So it makes total sense where you'll hear Xamarin being used as typically amongst companies that already have, like they're either Microsoft shops or they have a ton of C-sharp developers. It makes sense mm-hmm. for them to go with Xamarin. Yeah, exactly. And all of those, if you sort of, you know, follow the money kind of a thing, you know, React Native is Facebook, Flutter is Google, Xamarin is Microsoft. Um, and then there are a lot of open source, volunteer, community-driven things, you know, out there as well. 
and I guess you know Nave, Nave Script has a corporate you know behind it as well, but it's not really a mega vendor. Right. Yep. Exactly. What are some of the biggest challenges, or what are some of the points within a working on a project where you were just like, guys, you're making this much harder than you need to. You guys should really consider switching over and transitioning to doing a native app or what are some like code smells or smells within a project that you're like, okay, at this point, I think you guys should really consider uh, opening up Xcode and learning some Swift because this is not going to work out in the long run. Mm -hmm. No, that's a really good question. Um, And it's, it's definitely something to consider because if you're starting a new product, your likelihood of being able to switch to something else is, is low. Once you have that much sunk cost into it, so, and I think it's a it's really good. You know what what are some of the challenges? Probably the first isn't necessarily feature driven, but but just that if you use a cross platform platform uh, or development tool to develop something, you know you're not going to be going directly to Apple for support. You're not going to be using Apple's APIs directly. You know, so you have to kind of think about that a little bit. It's kind of obvious, right? Because the whole idea of cross platform is you're working an abstraction layer. But, you know, your team does need to have still a pretty good understanding of the underlying operating systems and, and so on. So there, there's, there's some that you still need to do. There's, uh, as far as kind of feature-driven, I was talking to a, a client and they said, you know, we're thinking cross-platform. Here's what we want to do. The red flags I'd probably be looking for is, you know, you know, are you trying to do something that is really, really specific to the operating system underneath? So are you trying to use Metal on iOS? which you might not find any support in most cross-platform tools, right. you know, or are you trying to, you know, do something like earlier we talked about, you know, having a completely different experience on the two platforms. Well, if it is really completely different, then your child's still going to be writing it twice, just in a different framework. And, you know, does that make sense? Another thing I kind of look at or think about is, you know, how much of this app is UI, how much of the app is underneath logic and code and thing, you know things like that. So if an application is like 90% not the UI, then cross-platform may make a lot of sense. Why write a lot of business logic and database logic and calculations in two different languages to hit two platforms? You know, maybe it makes more sense to consolidate them. But, you know, if the app is primarily, you know, if it's, you know, something that is totally UI driven, 90% of it is kind of UI stuff and you want, that UI to be very different on two platforms. That's like, well, maybe cross-platform doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think those are really good points. Before we close out, is there anything else you wanted to mention? No, I think that's a pretty good discussion. I there's tremendous interest, and you probably see it too with you know being able to ship to both platforms at the same time, and uh, you know, but but having completely incompatible ecosystems makes that kind of tough. So so I think a lot of people are thinking about this, and um, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, there's probably six really good choices out there to of technology stacks to use, and you know, not not everyone is is right for everybody. So it's a challenge. Yeah, I think a lot of folks go into it thinking it's a shortcut. It does help, but it really depends on your team. And it really isn't as much of a shortcut as people realize. Just to kind of reiterate what you're talking about here. Like, I think the good ones is like, if you really want a consistent user experience, like you really insist upon it, probably cross-platform is a way to go. If you want like your releases to be in sync, then it makes total sense. And then of course, if you're going to have an already existing team that is familiar with some sort of language or framework that's going to be used by a cross-platform solution, 
than using it saves you money and it'll help your budget when you first start off. The other thing I was going to say is like if you want to test an idea, like you want to just put an app on both platforms to test that specific idea, maybe cross-platform is a great way to do it as well. You talked about the three differences between cross-platform solutions. Your Cordova-based, which is essentially a web view, and then there's the bridge solutions like Flutter, React Native, Native Script, and then the solutions that are strictly language-based. Uh, if your team is familiar with C-sharp, they're probably going to want to go with Xamarin, uh, which just basically takes the Swift and Objective-C and turns it into C-sharp for your team. And just use a platform solution that is something that your team is somewhat familiar with if you already have a React team, if you already have a C-sharp team or web dev team. That gives you an idea of where to go. But however, uh, the real challenge is if you're going to use a cross-platform solution is that you're going to end up being dependent on another vendor or another community that is going to add another layer of complexity when it comes to support. So not only are you going to be beholden to Google or Apple, but now you have to be dependent on the React team or Xamarin, the folks at Microsoft or the folks at Ionic to make sure that they stay up to date with whatever changes come to iOS or Android. If you're using a specific API that's special to a operating system such as Metal or HealthKit or just thinking of like Apple Pay, anything like that that's very specific to an API, that might be a good indication that you might actually want to go with Swift and Native. And then if you are expecting to really personalize the UI uh, to different platforms, then and it, there's a lot of UI involved, it might also be a good indication that you want to go native as opposed to going with a cross-platform solution. You think I covered that pretty well? I think so, yeah. I think, and you know, kind of the thread that runs through there is like how, how, much, how much are you going to write code-wise or UI development that can be used in both, you know, both platforms? So it's something really to think about but i think that's a good summary yeah rob are you available on social media i am you can find me on twitter at recursive it's at r-e-k-e-r-r-s-i-v-e awesome and before we close out i have one question for you actually i have two questions for you it seems like every guest we ask this question when you do native what do you use to build your user interface are you a storyboard or coding person <laughs> so this this is the code and storyboard question yes yeah yeah i don't think there's a, a middle ground answer to that other than saying well there uh, is if you're, a, if you're a coward UI so that i don't have to you're a coward anymore. if you're a middle ground but other than that yeah no there's no <laughs> i'm not a, i'm not a coward um <laughs> i i it, it, i tend to use storyboards um because i find it um easier to support down the road kind of, you know, rather than writing a lot of code. But um, I have done both uh, on, the, on the Apple platform. Yeah, I, I go back and forth on it. I think, like, if you're on a big team, storyboards are really, really difficult because you're going to end up with merging issues. But then... Yeah, um, merging issues is, you know, it's a big deal for storyboards. Uh, you know, it gives a visual declarative thing about what's going on with the app. I kind of like it. But it seems like, you know, we're moving toward more declarative UI. Uh, that's what Swift UI is doing. That's what Flutter does with Dart. And it seems like the wind's blowing in that direction. But if I, you know, if, if I have a pretty standardized user interface, I'll, I'll use a storyboard for that. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, especially when you're first uh, starting off. What? Uh, so yeah, Swift UI. I was going to get into it. What do you think of Swift UI? You know, it's a really good direction. It's to be seen, but uh, but I, I I loaded up a, a development Mac with uh, 
with the new version of, of Mac OS and installed Xcode 11 on there and tried it out. And, uh, and I really like it. The whole cycle where you, in, in mobile, where you lay out your app screens and, you know, kind of get it working and then, you know, compile, build, deploy to device and then, you know, wash and repeat. I think most platforms are trying to deal with that. React certainly is, uh, React Native is a, a platform that, that tries to address that and Flutter to an extent. Um, I think they'll get there, but SwiftUI is aimed right at that. And I think the, the way they're implementing that is is just right. And, you know, as you mentioned, merge conflicts with Git and so on, I mean, that kind of solves that problem because it's just code at that point. But yeah. And I like the two, the, definitely the, the split pane where you can make changes oh my gosh. On, on, the, on the UI as if it was a storyboard and it updates the declarative code on the left side. I think that's really, really I just hate that. I just hate that you right need there. to have Catalina in order to really take advantage of it. Like other than that, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. What? It's, temporary. it's a temporary thing. Oh, and, yeah, you know, yeah. It only supports iOS 13, which is, you know, means it's really not going to come into its own for you know, a couple of years probably, but uh, it's the right direction. I, I like it directionally. I mean, if you're willing for an app to be uh, in the app store in October or November, then I would totally recommend people look at SwiftUI for their brand new app. Uh, if they're yeah, willing maybe, to wait on it, maybe. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's pretty buggy at the moment, so yeah, it's just taking a risk. But certainly, if um, if you're starting something absolutely brand new and that's what I meant, you know, yeah, you're comfortable with only shipping for iOS 13, then sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant, uh, of course. Yep. But yeah, it's so funny how out of this whole thing, people were looking forward to iPad apps on the Mac and Marzipan, and like out of nowhere mm-hmm. comes this like brand yeah. new. And I love how it's completely severed. Some people aren't going to like it, but it's completely severed from Objective C. It takes advantage of like the whole Swift and Swift DSL stuff, and like yeah, yeah, creates a healthy, finally a decently healthy way to build UIs. Because even going back to the question, going between storyboards and coding your own UI, like I think a lot of people would going back to cross-platform development, a lot of people like building their UI in HTML and it makes sense. Like CSS and HTML are just a lot easier to work with and having a declarative way to build your UI using Swift UI. It's a much more comfortable way because like storyboards, all that stuff was like, it's a black box. Like you can't go into that XML and figure out how to manually add like a button to a user interface using storyboards. It's, it, it's impossible. And then to code it, like I do like the, some of the stuff that they've added in la- last couple of years with constraints, but it's nowhere near as nice as what we've gotten with, with declaratively building user interfaces. And this is like, yes, this is exactly the way user interfaces should be built. It makes total sense. Well, a lot of people think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And maybe we'll uh, talk about this stuff again. Great. I I enjoyed being here. I, I appreciate the invitation and great conversation. Thank you. Yep. You're welcome.